Welcome to the CMC Podcast, where our mission is to inspire you to be a doer of the Word. Today's message is brought to you by our lead pastor, Tim Brooks. Turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. Jesus was clearly a man of prayer. Often, often we would read where Jesus would slip off, spend time in prayer, and then rejoin the disciples. The disciples recognized Jesus' prayer life as a source of power for him. So they, they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Well, in Jesus' teaching the disciples how to pray, he said, well, you start out by recognizing God, our Father who is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. You start out your prayer by worshiping God, thanking God, exalting him and praising him. That's how you start your prayer off. You don't start off your prayer by God do this, God do that, God handle this. You start off with recognizing God and praising him. Now, the first thing that he taught us to pray for, the very first thing, your kingdom come, your will be done, help me out, on earth as it is in heaven. Who's God going to use to get that done? God, bring your will on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, who's going to bring his will on earth as it is in heaven? Well, I can give you somebody who it's not. It's not the lost. Okay, it's, it's not going to be the lost. The lost are not going to bring God's will on earth as it is in heaven. So that's got to be our mandate. That, that has got to be our roll up our sleeves job. That, that's us. We are to bring God's will on earth in our homes, in our families, in our businesses, in our recreation, in our daily life. We, not just for an hour on Sunday morning. We're to bring God's will. Heaven, the way heaven operates is the way earth is supposed to operate. Now, we got to make that happen here. Now, since our mandate is to bring God's will, bring God's thoughts, bring God's ideas, bring God's plan, bring God's mode of operation on earth as it is in heaven, we got to know it. We're going to have to know God's will, God's thoughts. What does God think about this? How does God see that? Well, I can tell you what I do. I'm not interested. I want to know how does God think about that? What does God say to do about that? We're studying the parables. We're in a series on the parables because the parables start out with the kingdom of heaven is like. Okay, if we're going to bring the kingdom of heaven on earth as it is in heaven, then we need to know what it's like in heaven so that we can operate like that. We can think like that. We can talk like that. We can act like that here. As a believer, as a child of God, any time in God's word, you read that sentence, the kingdom of God is like, I mean, you tune in. Your antennas go up, you dial in, you tune in, you get your notepad out, you're ready to pay attention because that's how I got to think. I got to think like God thinks. Not the way I believe, the way I see, well, what I feel, the way I've always been taught, well, the way I was raised. Uh, we're not interested in any of that. How does God see this? 
So we got to bring that concept, that ideology, that worldview here. So we got to find out how the kingdom of God operates. Matthew 25. I talked all that long just so you could find Matthew 25. Matthew chapter 25, verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like. Okay, is everybody tuned in? Everybody's sitting, okay, I got to get this. I need to get this because I've got to bring, this thought has got to be my thought. This way I got to think about every issue. This is the way I've got to make decisions. This is my worldview. I got to think like this and then I've got to bring that into my kids' thinking. I've got to bring that into the, my coworkers' think. When the, the, the talk starts getting around on the job site, hold on, guys. Here's the way we are to think about that. See, I've got to bring this thought into earth like it is in heaven. All right, here we go. The kingdom of heaven is going to be like 10 bridesmaids. Took their lamps, went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by a shout, look, the bridegroom's coming, come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prayed their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop, buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. All right, let's dive into this. The kingdom of heaven will be like 10 bridesmaids. Okay, what do bridesmaids do? They take their lamps, they go out to meet the bridegroom. Side note here, this is not the only reference in scripture, bridesmaids, bridegroom analogy. In fact is, throughout scripture, marriage between a man and a woman, first of all, was the very first institution ever established by God. And throughout scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, it refers to, it's a constant illustration of our relationship with the Lord. I mean, you remember Hosea the, the prophet getting married and that story of the marriage was, God was using marriage to reveal a relationship that we're to have with him. Fact is, hold your place and flip over to Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians chapter five, verse 21 and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband's the head of the wife, is Christ the head of the church. He's the savior of the body of the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives submit to your husbands in everything. Husbands, this means you love your wife just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself, a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she'll be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own body. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one ever hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it as Christ cares for the church and we're members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. 
Now, we generally read that passage at weddings. You, if you've been to a wedding, you probably heard that passage read. Well, let's don't stop. Let's read verse 32. This is a great mystery, but here's what I'm talking about. I mean, I'm not against reading it at weddings. I've read it at weddings. But it's not talking about a wedding. It is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So look at this example God continues to use throughout his word the illustration between a husband and wife as our relationship with Christ and the church. Verse 32, this isn't really about a, a, a marriage. It's about Jesus and the church. Now, this is why, without a shadow of a doubt, there is such an all-out attack and always has been on marriage. It's the first institution ever set up on this earth it was ordained by God. It is the foundation of everything else in life grows out of that union. Obviously, it's an all-out attack on that union because to destroy that even destroys the illustration of our relationship with Jesus. So the power of this union is our picture of our relationship with Christ that's why there's an attack on marriage, and that's why we host marriage seminars. Terry and I have been doing marriage seminars for over 30 years. Got another one coming up here in three weeks. That's why we're so big on marriages, because it is the foundation of all society. This is the way God set this up. Hold your place, flip back over to Matthew 19, verse 4. Haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied? They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. Side note, two genders. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother, joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two, but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Genesis opens with marriage between man and woman. Revelation closes with the wedding of the groom and the bride. One man, one woman, marriage found all the way through the Old Testament to the New Testament repeated times. Just also know this. God is both male and female. Remember when God created, he created this as good, he created that as good, he created all the way down through Genesis. He created Adam and said, this is not good. Well, it wasn't a finished creation. God didn't create anything bad. It just wasn't finished. God is both masculine and feminine. God is a combination. So man by himself is only part. Woman by herself is only part. When God joins them together, you have the picture of God because you see the feminine side of God and the masculinity side of God. So that union represents God. Another note, side note, male and female in a sexual union become co-creators with God. Two males don't co-create. Two females don't create. It takes a male and a female coming together. Then we have the image of God, who God is a creator. I mean, so much we could talk about this. It just doesn't even make sense the way the world is thinking. It does not even make, make good sense, the stuff that we're being taught, because this is pretty plain to see. Man did not come up with the marriage union. That was God's plan. History culminates, all of history culminates with the marriage, the groom Jesus, 
and the bride of the church. Now, that's a long explanation of the importance of this parable. Back to Matthew chapter 25, 10 bridesmaids. This is an important thing. All right, in this parable, we got to see how God operates. 10 bridesmaids, what is called out right from the very beginning? Five are foolish, five are wise. Okay. Jesus said five were foolish, five were wise. Jesus discriminated. Jesus discriminated. By the way, Jesus is not in favor of anti-discrimination laws. Jesus talked about the wheat and the chaff. He talked about the sheep and the goats. He talked about the good grain and the tares. The false prophets, the thorn bushes and the grapes, the thistles, the good fruit. All day long, every day, we've got to make a choice between right and wrong, good and bad. That's the way to go. That's not the way to go. That's foolish. That's wise. And for our society to be telling us that's wrong thinking, oh, we're not to discriminate. You're not to make judgment calls. You're not to discriminate. Couldn't be further from the truth. Everything Jesus did was good and bad, right and wrong, wheat and chaff, goats and sheep. This is the way we're to live our life. I want to be a part of that. It's bearing good fruit. I don't want to be a part of that. That's foolish. And we're, we're being told that's wrong thinking. We got to get this turned around in our own minds. This culture wanting to do away with right and wrong, with wise and foolish, our society wanting to do away with moral absolute truth, we can't operate. We can't operate without this is right and that's wrong. When everybody does what's right in their own eyes, society cannot coexist together. So it's vital that we see this. Jesus, right off the bat, calls out, he identifies those that are foolish and those that are wise. Are you seeing this? You judging me? Yes, you're foolish. I am. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus gives us the scale to measure with. And what is our scale? Always know this. The way you measure is fruit. The way you measure is fruit. Look at what is being produced. You want to see a good church? You want to see a bad church? What's the fruit? What's the fruit of that? You want to see a good business or a bad business? What is the fruit of that? What is the fruit of the home, the family? You look at what it's producing. You will know them. You will identify them by their fruit. Now, young people, just listen, listen, listen. Never, ever, never follow the advice, follow the counsel from anyone that you don't see fruit in their life in that area. Now, it's silly. It's silly for you to listen to counsel from somebody who, it's not, their idea isn't working in their life, so why do I want to listen to their idea? You look for fruit in people's lives, say, I want a marriage like theirs, so I'm going to listen to what they say. 
I want to be successful financially like them. I want to listen to what they say in the area of finances. I want to have a relationship with the Lord like they do. So I want to understand the life of prayer that they live. See, you see fruit in somebody's life. Then you listen to the input from that person. But from somebody who's never had a penny, has outstanding bills all over town, owes everybody everywhere for you to get financial counsel from them is very foolish on your part. Come on, pay attention. What we do is we see fruit in the area of life and we make our decisions on that. Now, Jesus identifies these bridesmaids, verse two, five wise, five foolish. Now we're gonna see the path of each and what we need to do is follow the path of the wise. All right, the foolish. To make lamps work, you have to have oil. Every area of our life has to have the right whatever. You got to have gas or kerosene or battery, or you got to have money, or you got to have electricity. Whatever it is we're trying to power, you have to have a power source for that. And it's foolish to think you can do without that. All right, the foolish, what happened to them? They didn't plan, they didn't prepare, they didn't equip themselves with what they would need. What was the differentiation between the foolish and the wise? I want you to underline the word extra. Extra. The wise had extra. The wise had extra. You always want to have extra. You always want to go above and beyond, not just barely think I can squeak by with enough. Are you giving extra love? Are you spending extra time with friends? Are you doing the extra for your family? Are you doing the extra for church? Are you going the extra mile? What distinguishes wise from foolish is the word extra. Now, verse five, I want you to know this. Delays are a part of life and must be planned for. They gotta be planned for. I'm telling you, I, you don't drive anywhere that you don't get caught in a road delay. It's just, so to be late to work because of a traffic jam is your bad. You should have left knowing I'm gonna to need to leave a little early because there's probably gonna be a traffic jam. I wanna leave a little early in case I have a flat tire. I wanna leave, see, you, you, you're foolish when you live life just barely hoping to get by, give a little extra time. Give a little extra effort. Go a little extra mile. Don't, don't quit right at five o'clock, work five minutes late. See, give, get five minutes early. Give a little extra, give a little extra. What differentiates between the wise and the foolish is those who plan, those who think ahead, those who prepare, those who have extra. See, extra keeps yourself wise. Okay, verse six. Verse six. At midnight, they were aroused by the shout. Look, the bridegroom's coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up, prepared their lamps. The five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourself. Heaven does not operate by taking from the wise who have planned 
saved and have extra and giving it to the foolish who are not planned, not prepared, don't have extra. And that's where we are. That's where we are. We've got to turn this thinking around. Well, I just want to be like Jesus in love. You're not reading Jesus. You're not reading Jesus. He never takes money away from the wise to give to the foolish. Verse 9. I want you to see this. Everybody see this. Go buy. Go provide for yourself. Well, you got so much money. How come we're going to tax the rich? We're going to tax the rich. They've got extra. We're going to give to these little poor people over here that bless their little heart, their little poor people over here. That's not the way heaven operates. You don't advance by taking away from wise people and giving to foolish people because then the wise don't have or the foolish have. That, that doesn't work. That principle does not work. Like that, well, flip back over to Matthew chapter 25, verse 28. Matthew 25, verse 28. I'm not going to read this whole parable, this whole story to you, to you, but verse 28. Then he ordered. Now, this is Jesus' words, red letters. Take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. Verse 29. Those who have will more be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have not, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow! Our society's going to have to get a hold of this. We've got to turn this thinking around. We've got to bring thinking on earth as it is in heaven, and you don't tax the rich and give to the poor. That's not the way you advance. This is how God thinks. This is how his kingdom operates. Provide for yourself. Go get your own oil. We're charged with bringing this thinking on earth. Yes, I want you to know there is a judgment made. We can identify the wise and the foolish. There is a judgment made. I, I, I want to just take a minute here. We've all talked about this. Go back to Matthew 7. This is just so critical that we get this. Many of you have heard me talk about this countless times, but we've got to get this. Just go to Matthew 7 while we're here. Matthew 7. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. Okay, let's understand that wording. That's talking about looking down your nose at other people. That's talking about you thinking you're better than somebody else. Don't think you're better than somebody else. That's not talking about making a judgment and I know it's not because you go right on down 14 verses and we read, beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. If I don't make a judgment, how will I know who is a false prophet? So he's not talking to us about not judging. He's talking about us not thinking we're better than somebody else. We're all God's kids. And nobody in here is better than anybody else. But when it comes to making a judgment, you got to know who is a false prophet and you got to know who is disguised as a vicious wolf. How do I know that? Verse 16, you can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? 
a good tree provides good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you identify people by their actions. Now, church, we've got to understand the difference in thinking that we're better than somebody else and making judgments. Parents, you need to be making a judgment. Don't let your little girl go spend the night with a friend who has a teenage boy in that house and the parents are gone for the weekend. Are you hearing me? Somebody's got to make a judgment on that. Young people, here's this party going on over here. I don't need to be at that party. Well, I'm not going to do anything wrong. I'm not going to be guilty by association. See, you've got to daily make judgments. Now, I'm not thinking I'm better than anybody else, but here's what I'm telling you. I want to be wise. So to be wise, I can't act like the foolish. So what I'm telling you is I've got to make a decision on who's foolish and who's wise. And that helps me choose my friend group and where I hang around, the people that I receive input from. We've just got to get a hold of this because our society has gotten so far away from this in the guise of Jesus loves everybody. Jesus loves everybody. I'm not talking about Jesus' love. I'm talking about you associating with foolish instead of with the wise. And to do that, you've got to make good decisions. Now, we've got to mature to the place where I can make a decision but not look down my nose and think I'm better than somebody. I'm not saying I'm better than this person. I'm just saying it would be wise if I didn't hang out with them. Are y'all getting this? Jesus made the differentiation between wise and foolish. And too many of our good young people are being led astray because they are surrounding themselves with foolishness. And you cannot do that and live wise. So you will have to make a differentiation in your mind between wise and foolish. Let's look for signs along the way. Let's think ahead. Let's provide extra for ourselves. Let's have extra. Let's go the extra mile in your work, in your relationships, in our church, with our friends. Jesus talked about it. Someone should go a mile, go two miles with them. See, it's the extras in life that bring the rewards of wisdom. Let's end with verse 13. Daily keep watch. Daily keep watch. Jesus didn't know himself when the return would be. He said, only my Father in heaven. Jesus didn't know himself when his return was going to be. We don't know when his return is going to be. So what do we do? We keep watch. Now, how do we keep watch? I want to make sure that we're clear on this. We keep watch not by sitting on the couch looking out the window. That's not how you keep watch. You keep Watch by daily being obedient to his word. By daily being where you're supposed to be doing what you're supposed to be doing. How do I keep watch? Fulfilling his call on my life. How do I keep watch? Daily taking up your cross, denying yourself, and following him. How do I keep watch? Grabbing hold of the plow 
and not looking back. How do I keep watch? Making disciples of all those around us. Church, let's be wise. Let's don't be foolish. And let's stay vigilant and keep watchful. Y'all stand. Lord, we thank you for your word of direction to us. We honor you tonight. We give you thanks. And Lord, we continue not to be conformed to this world's way of thinking, but to wash our minds with your word and that we think like you think. Lord, we depend on you to direct and guide us as we bring your will on earth as it is in heaven. We honor you in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the CMC podcast. If you'd like to watch our sermons live or looking for more information about our church, visit cmcchurch.com or follow us on Facebook at Christian Ministries Church.